0: As a religion teacher of children, I love challenging my students, stretching them intellectually. I love how excited they seem to get when I introduce them to terms and definitions that I tell them I didn't learn until I was in graduate school. So I taught my fifth and sixth graders one of those terms recently. I'll tell you what it was coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with
1: Patrick Conley.
0: Welcome to The Inner Life. This is the show dedicated to spiritual direction, helping you out on this day's walk in your journey of faith. I'm Patrick Conley, happy to be with you for the hour ahead. The term I recently taught my fifth and sixth graders was hylomorphism, an Aristotelian philosophical doctrine referring to beings as a composite of both matter and form. In Catholic teaching, we understand this as directly applied to the human person, who is a composite of body and soul, matter and form. We also understand the sacraments as composed of matter, oil, water, bread and wine, for example, and form, the words of the proper minister of the sacrament. With the sacraments, the appropriate matter and form must both be present for the sacrament to be what we call valid. You can't baptize someone with coffee, and you can't have the Eucharist without the words of consecration said by a validly ordained priest. Seems straightforward enough, but when you get into the details of it, an abundance of questions can arise about sacramental validity. Today on the show, we're going to chat about sacramental validity and take as many of your questions as we can. Our studio line is triple eight nine one four nine one four nine if you want to get a jump on things. And serving as our spiritual director today is Father Ramil Fajardo, a priest of the Archdiocese of Chicago. In 2013, Father Fajardo joined Holy Name Cathedral and began his duty as a judge of the Metropolitan Tribunal. Okay. In 2017, he also took on being the Director of Liturgy and the excuse me, the Cardinal's Delegate for St. James Chapel. And two years ago, he was named the Rector of the National Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Welcome back to the show, Father. Good to be with you again. Good morning, Patrick. Good morning. I am so excited to be talking with you today about sacramental validity. Let's uh I'm I'm anticipating a lot of people are gonna have questions. So again, our studio number, 888-914-9149, If you do have a question about sacramental validity, if a sacrament that you witnessed or actually even participated in, whether that's valid or not, triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Um so father, let's start with a couple definitions here first. Just give us a general overview of what are sacraments.
1: Okay. When you when you threw out the word hylomorphism, all of a sudden I'm like, wow! I haven't heard that in years, <laughs> decades even. <laughs> Thanks <Okay>. a lot. <laughs> yeah, hey, you're welcome. <laughs> so uh, first and foremost, let's let's be as simple as possible, straight and direct. The idea of the church's teachings are that they are accessible. We can make it as complicated or as detailed as we need, but I always refer I always reference two different sources. Number one, the most obvious. Uh, source would be the Catechism of the Catholic Church as well as I also like using the Baltimore Catechism that they're both wonderful sources and catechesis so what is a sacrament Baltimore Catechism is a sacrament is an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace Mm. it is a sacred and this is my definition it's a sacred invisible sign instituted by Jesus to give us grace an undeserved gift from God and the Catechism of the Catholic Church number 1131 says the sacraments are efficacious signs of grace instituted by Christ and entrusted to the Church by which divine life is dispensed to us. The visible rites by which the sacraments are celebrated signify and make present the graces proper to each sacrament. They bear fruit in those who receive them with the required dispositions. Now, Mm. the Catechism of the Catholic Church is not as pithy as the Baltimore Catechism, which develops (laughs) those points, but that's an excellent definition. And the bishops Mm. put it on their website, in fact, and created an essay on the bishop's website. This is an excellent definition, 1131, Catechism of the Catholic Church.
0: All right, great. Great introduction to what sacraments actually are. But then we're talking today about sacramental validity. So define that one for us, Father. What is validity and who determines what
1: is valid? okay well in general the the words do not explicitly have to uh, reflect um, the catholic understanding but for us obviously when we talk about validity it is the idea that it uh, a designated action produces the effects intended so uh, when it's invalid an action does not produce the effects intended and that's why it's called invalid All right. So when we do something, the action by which we're doing it is going to produce the effects that are intended. That is validity. And it's it's really it's it's either on or off. It is or it isn't. And that is very different from something like lisaity, which is lisaity. And uh, it's a designation that an action has been performed legitimately. It could be valid, but it is perform or invalid. Um, but laicity is about an action that is performed legitimately, legally. Okay. An action that is not performed legitimately is illicit or illegal.
0: But the difference between the two there, just to make sure we're on the same page here. So um, it it might be illegal, but it could still be a valid sacrament. Is what absolutely, you're saying, right? absolutely. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Yep, uh, illicit but not invalid. I think I've heard that phrase thrown around a few times. Right? Yes, very yes, good. yeah. <laughs> okay, very good. All right. So, and when we're talking about if a sacrament is not valid, then whatever was intended to occur in that sacrament, I mean, whatever whatever the church understands is intended to occur in that sacrament, did not happen. Is that what we're saying, right?
1: Exactly. To use your to use your example, to baptize, we require natural water the pouring of this water, natural water, upon those to receive baptism with the use of the formula which the church has determined. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Those are the components of a valid baptism. You cannot use coffee. You cannot use Coke. It's got to be natural water.
0: Okay. Yep. I, I uh, As much as I love coffee, I am still beholden to the Church's teachings on that, that we must <laughs> baptize with water. All right. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Now, take us a little bit into the, uh, the appropriate minister of the sacrament as well, Father, because I know that that plays a role in validity as well.
1: Correct. Uh, let's begin with the sacrament of baptism, the first of the seven sacraments. Anyone can baptize in an emergency. I think about the times where nurses and doctors in a hospital are in an emergency situation and they must baptize. All they need to do is pour natural water on the person to receive it and say the words invoking the Trinitarian formula, I baptize you, Ego te baptizo, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In an emergency anyone can baptize, even a non-Christian. Right, but yeah. the obvious ordinary minister would be a cleric, a, a okay. bishop, priest, or a deacon. But anyone in an emergency can baptize. It's that important. Yeah, yeah, very good. But it, with
0: anyone can baptize, but uh, there's then there's other appropriate ministers, say for the sacrament of the Eucharist, of course. Of course, um, yeah, yeah. Take us into that
1: okay the church has designated that Jesus Christ the one high priest the mediator between God and man is the minister believe it or not it is Christ who baptizes it is Christ who gives us his body blood soul and divinity it is Christ who absolves this is something that we all have to remember it is not merely a man a priest, or it's not even just a nurse, male or female. It is Christ himself, if the person's doing it, intend to do what the church wants. And the words, I baptize you, for example, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the outward sign along with the pouring of natural water that demonstrates what I am doing is intended, and that it is intended as the church wants it, and therefore this person can be believed to be baptized, accepted as being baptized. With the Eucharist, as you were saying, Patrick, the priest, validly ordained by the bishop, the local bishop, would be the one to say, this is my body, this is my blood. Those are the essential words of consecration that has validity, along with wheat flour for the hosts and wine, okay, fruit of the vine.
0: All right. Ah, oh, very good. Our spiritual director today, Father Ramil Fajardo, is leading us through a discussion about sacramental validity. If you have a question about sacramental validity validity, or if you're curious if a sacrament in your life or the life of a loved one was valid, give us a call and ask your questions. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine or send us an email, inner life at dot So Father, what so we've got the matter of the sacrament so like you said water for baptism wheat flour bread and fruit of the vine for Eucharist etc mm-hmm. and then we've also got the, the form of, of the sacrament the action the words mm-hmm. of, of, uh, of what's going on and then we also have the minister of the sacrament and my understanding is if anything is amiss with any one of those three then that's at least a case for invalidity
1: Absolutely. The sacraments, as the Church has defined it, and this is probably something that um, our listeners have to be aware of, the Code of Canon Law does not dictate, for example, the words of the sacraments per se. The Church has given the magisterium the right and obligation to d- determine that through the ritual books. This is, this is just the Church's understanding that the ritual books will determine what the, ri- the rites are, and it is presumed that all the priests and deacons and those ministers involved would follow the ritual book. The law gives us the theology, will, give us, will supply the authority to do that, and the validity, and unfortunately necessarily say what is illicit or invalid. But the ritual books will tell us the proper celebration and the words that confect the sacrament okay that's why you were asking earlier i didn't get to answer that question but who determines this the church obviously the yeah. church tells us because the church uh, is herself a sacrament it is the church herself the mystical body is christ himself so it is christ who tells us what he wants done through the ministry of the church okay
0: all right and uh what about that then if uh if is the church is the authority on these things? Where's where do we see the the nudge from Christ, or where do we see his um, his his own giving of that authority to the church in say the scripture?
1: Well, the most obvious one is Matthew sixteen. Uh, the keys of the kingdom given to Peter. Mm, okay. And and I and upon you I will I will build my church upon you, Petros Rock. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I've been thinking a lot about this actually, Patrick. Allow me a little excursus here. Please. Um, It's interesting how people say when they hear the conferring of the keys, what the church has been given, it's interesting because people hear, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Now, we always think of that particular phrase, and I've heard it a lot, that that is the church on the defensive, that hell is like waves battering the church, which in many eras, even today, that's true. But I have also seen commentary that have interpreted as the gates of hell will not prevail against the church when she begins her march, and she's battering at the doors of hell, and Mm. that the gates of hell will not prevail. It's an interesting interpretation, and I I like both of them because the church is founded solidly on the Rock of Peter, but the church is a church militant, and evangelization you know apostolate those are the things that will pound against the very gates of hell and hell will never prevail against it because the church is on the march
0: very good very good all right we're making some good uh some good progress here in our discussion about sacramental validity if you have a question about whether a sacrament you or someone in your life has received was valid or not give us a call ask your question 888-914-9149 888-914-9149. We had an off-air question come in, Father, and I'll pitch that to you. So a lady called in who'd been married for 20 years, and she says four years ago her husband said he actually didn't want to get married, I assume at the time that they did get married, at the time of their wedding. And so she wants to know if she should look into the validity of their sacrament of matrimony.
1: Wow. That's uh, not A lot of things, this is my bread and butter. (laughs) I (laughs) I do this on a daily basis, right? Right. Um, Huge, huge caveat. Nobody knows what a person was thinking until there is a formal procedure to determine that. Okay? Okay. If they're still married, then the presumption is that they intended it, that he intended it, and that her consent is still continuing. It's presumed as well that his consent. Consent is still presumed. Uh, presumed, the church will not involve herself in a declaration of nullity until both parties are separated and divorced. Okay. okay. Right? right. So if it's just amusing on his part, that's one thing. But yeah, they are, are they still, still married,
0: I guess. Yes. Yeah, right. Father, just to clarify. Okay.
1: Okay. So maybe at the time, maybe at the time, um, at the time, he was just thinking to himself, "Oh my gosh, uh, what am I doing? It's like I, I need to run away," but he didn't. So the presumption is that there's it's a valid marriage. Okay. You know, and, and ultimately, in a procedure, in a process, the Church would have to determine through her tribunal that this was a known fact, that in fact he himself let others know, I don't want to get married. That's the mm-hmm. only way to prove an invalidity in the sacrament of marriage. Because let's, go, let's now discuss what is matrimonial consent. Matrimonial consent is between a man and a woman who exchange in the words the Church has given us i john take you mary to be my wife i promise to be faithful to you in good times and in bad in sickness and in health i will love you and honor you all the days of my life very simple words that a man and a woman exchange with one one another the average intelligence understands those words they're very direct simple and most importantly they live that consent they wouldn't say it if they didn't mean it right now that's where the that's where a declaration of nullity comes in marriage is presumed valid but okay. if anyone says i had my doubts prove it otherwise no it's valid you know okay. you don't You know, it's not Catholic divorce, it's, you said it, people witnessed it, the Church witnessed it. (laughs) So there it is, all right. There it is, you prove it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We've got a great priest in for our spiritual rector today for this particular topic, sacramental validity, uh, as he is, amongst his many other duties, also a judge of the Metropolitan Tribunal within the Archdiocese of Chicago, so grateful for that, Father Emil Fajardo. And Father, let's go to the phones, we've got Joseph who's calling in from Dallas, Texas. Joseph, welcome to the show, thanks for calling.
2: Well, thanks for taking my call. So the parish that I attend, uh, we've been there 13 years. Uh, It it was recently discovered by a former parishioner who's now a priest that a deacon was not using the proper formula to baptize. Instead of saying, I baptize you, he was saying, we baptize you. Mm -hmm. And this man who's now a priest was baptized using that formula, the we, instead of the I, Mm-hmm. And um, it's my under it, the what has come out, and I may be understanding it wrong, is that because he was invalidly baptized, then the sacrament, uh, all the sacraments that he received, including ordination, and all the sacraments he's performed for other people are invalid. Is that true, and, and how is that resolved?
1: Excellent question. Good morning, Joseph. Thank you for your question. That was the, uh, that is the result, uh, and it's easy to answer in this way. That already happened in Detroit a few years ago, maybe two years ago, a priest, exactly the same situation, had been baptized with an invalid formula. The church says, please use these words, and we give you the words, I baptize you, ego te baptizo. That's... Excurses again, Patrick. That's why yep. Latin is your friend. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's Latin there. is very it's ego, precise. Yeah. Ego, I, yep. I baptize you. So, the deacon, unfortunately, you know, thought to make it more relatable, or or kind of wanting to represent the Trinity. I, uh, you, we baptize you. No, I baptize you. So, so you're correct. His sacraments were invalid. A couple of things that arch uh, that Archbishop. Um, uh, Vigneron pointed out in his very excellent letter explaining this disaster. First of all, good faith, these folks that were recipients of potentially potentially invalid sacraments need to check in. Father had to be re- rebaptized, everything had to be done over again. And again there is such a thing as uh, mercy and the church said if you received Eucharist, if you received communion from a priest who through his, through no fault of his own, did not even know he was invalidly ordained, or for that matter, not even validly baptized. God's grace is still a wonderful gift that is never held against you, mm. not held against you. The same thing with sacramental absolution: if the priest did not know, if the if the uh, uh, parishioners didn't know, in good faith, God's grace is His mercy. So, every, uh, Archbishop Vigneron said, everybody, please. Please, let's take this to prayer, and let the church make these corrections, and we will see what we can do. But God's grace is not limited. God gave us the sacraments, and he will distribute those graces as he fits, as he sees fits. And if a person in good faith did not know any of this, then they receive grace as God has determined they deserve.
0: Wonderful question, Joseph, and great answer to, Father, um, as we're talking about sacramental validity here on The Inner Life today. If you have a question about the validity of a sacrament that you or someone you know has received, give us a call. Ask your question. That's what today's show is all about. 888 is the number to call. Again, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, at relevantradio.com. We're going to take a short break here on The Inner Life. There's lots more to come, though, so stay with us. If you are in the market for health insurance, our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is here to help you and your family find the most cost-effective health plan. Learn more at relevantradio.com/forester. back to the inner life here on Relevant Radio on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. My name is Patrick Conley. Our spiritual director today is Father Ramil Fajardo. He is a priest of the Archdiocese of Chicago, has numerous duties, including at Holy Name Cathedral, at the Metropolitan Tribunal, at the uh, Archbishop Quigley Pastoral Center at St. James Chapel, and also at the National Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. We're talking today about sacramental validity. What makes a sacrament valid? And are you questioning whether a sacrament that you or a loved one received is valid? Give us a call. Join the conversation. 888 9149 Again, 888 9149 Let's go back to the phones, Father. We've got Bill who's calling in from Texas. Bill, welcome to The Inner Life.
2: Hello. Thank you for taking the call. Good morning. Sure. So, the question is uh, one of the validity of my own marriage. We were married in the church, divorced many years later, and married to know. But it wasn't until several years after the annulment was granted that I went back through and read you know, the reason why the reason for my church And I disagreed with it. When I found it I was shocked. I thought the reason was something
0: else. Yeah. Sorry Bill your audio is a little bit tough to to uh to hear um what i have in my notes here anyway father is that uh, he says his marriage was annulled due to a lack of maturity but he disagrees about that um and he's asking could my marriage be valid
1: the church has made her decision after due deliberation uh bill has to understand and remember that a marriage is presumed valid that is the that is the church's understanding. A man and a woman who exchanged consent are presumed to know what they had said and meant it until it is determined otherwise by the by the church. That's also very scriptural. You know, our Lord brought that up um, in the gospel. Unless a marriage is, is um, unlawful, so what Bill is basically asking is, because he doesn't agree with the reasoning of immaturity, could he still be validly married? and no again the church's decision in this regard was made it had it had privy uh, information and was privy to the testimonies that a, a an individual would make and 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 i have to emphasize this through prayer we judges are not just sitting in offices just churning out decisions affirmative negative we actually sit in prayer we mm-hmm. sit in prayer and make a promise that every case is unique and not to be influenced by the past, by other cases, by other decisions, whatever. Each case is brand new, and we, we in fact, we always begin our decisions. Some word it differently, but I always begin my, my cases with, in the name of the Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, invoking the Trinity, this is my decision, which I have with moral certitude before God alone, I believe that this is the case. So, it is not a routine thing. And the church has studied the material, and whether or not Bill agrees with it, the point is the church saw that, and that was the the actual ground that was proposed, and they agreed. We see this, and therefore we agree and, and affirm that this was an invalid marriage.
0: All right. Well, there you have it, Bill. Church has made it, made her decision on that. So, um, great. Hopefully that uh, ties things up a little bit for you, anyway. Let's go now to Julie, who's calling in from New Jersey. Julie, welcome to the inner life. Hello. Good Hello. Morning.
3: Yes. Well, um, I was married um, with. Uh, oh, Jason, I'm getting nervous. I was married. Yes, I had gotten married uh, because I wanted to be, get out of my home because uh, my parents had moved to uh, their country and I wanted to get back to the US. So I married someone, anyone, that was a good person, but no love and no intent. And I told him so. Yeah, I said, you know, I don't love you, whatever. And he said, you're gonna learn, you're gonna learn. I was only 16 at the time. And uh, well, we came back home to the U.S. and uh, and it didn't work. Nothing, you know. I tried. He tried. I tried. It didn't work. But he wouldn't let me go. So I stayed and stayed. And the only way I thought maybe this might work is if we went to family counseling. Because by then, you know, children kept coming, and uh, and he refused to go. He said I'm not he's not and so I I wound up leaving him and divorcing him mm-hmm. um, and then I married someone else in the Protestant Church whom I loved mm-hmm. and um, married 40 years mm-hmm. uh, and I started the annulment process I had been told once before that my marriage was vo- void at an there was not only no intent, but I mean, verbally telling the man I didn't love him, and it was everything we were doing was just to get me back home to uh, the U.S. Mm-hmm. And he agreed, and he says, "But you're going to learn." I said, "But what if I don't?" He says, "You're going to learn. You're going to learn to love me because I'm going to treat you well." That didn't happen.
1: the The difficulty um, is that. Under the circumstances, although the church declares that all marriages are presumed valid, there are sometimes circumstances that would mitigate against it. So I'm presuming that you are going through the process or have gone through the process of obtaining a declaration of nullity. You know, and one of the things that um, Patrick and I have talked about is that remember that something like this is really very sensitive and, and is something that is very much um, handled discreetly in a tribunal. So any answers that I would even think to give online are always predicated on the fact that there aren't a lot of answers I can give because I don't know the case, and it would be indiscreet of me to kind of say, oh, this is the direction it's going to take this that or the other thing. You're, you know, your local tribunal is supposed to help with that, and so I want our listeners to always understand. Generally speaking, we can talk about the broad parameters, but details, you know, that's always very discreetly handled with, by, the, by the local church. Just for obvious reasons, we're talking about two individuals and, and even families. So whatever answer I give is always going to be predicated on what does the law say? What are the general understandings of a procedure? But, you know, God's blessings are always with those in undergoing this process. It is not easy. But, again, that is for the church and uh, our, our Lord to decide as we submit these documents. So I hope it works out, and I, I, I'm kind of presuming it kind of did, uh, but I don't know. That's, I hope that helps. Right.
0: That is, and I think your point, Father, is a good one. Thank you, Julie, for the call, and thank you for your honesty in the show. We pr- appreciate that. Always, and but, Father, I think you make a you make a good point, and one that's worthy of underscoring is that um, really, especially with uh, marriages, that's why we have metropolitan tribunals, right? It's so that people mm-hmm. can investigate these in a in a case by case, point by point uh, scenario, in which there are judges who are well trained and very prayerful as well, and seeing you through. So, and, yeah, and, and it
1: should be done very respectfully very yes. respectfully so you know that's that's why these are individual things the, the church's sacraments are meant to be respectful be, because they convey God's very presence and grace yeah. so something like uh, something like discussing it so openly is kind of you know take it to your pastor or take it to your tribunal because they're trained for that um, right. it would just be really speculation on air.
0: Okay very good Wonderful. We're talking about sacramental validity today. If you have a question about whether a sacrament you or someone you know received, whether it was valid or not, give us a call, 888 914 with our spiritual director, Father Ramil Fajardo from the Archdiocese of Chicago. Let's go now to Tina, who's calling in from Austin, Texas. Tina, welcome to The Inner Life.
3: Hi, thank you. My question is... Uh, hi, good morning. <clears throat> My question is that the Novus Ordo, when it came out, there was an English translation... That was different from the Latin version where it uh, translated in the consecration of the wine to blood it, that Jesus said for all when the Latin said for many. And Pope Benedict corrected it in 2011. So, my question is were the consecrations at the masses in the United States invalid from 1969 to 2011 because the word was translated incorrectly from uh, that it was for all and when it should have been for many?
1: Okay, thank you for your call. That's actually that always brings up very spirited conversations conversations among among the faithful, (laughs) even among the brother priests. This is it's an excellent question. It is Um, a couple things to keep in mind. Uh, The Church gives us the language. The Church does not err. It will. The Church can never make errors because it is Christ Himself in the sacrament of the mystical body of Christ. So the Church, through prudential decisions, have gave us in the Novus Ordo Missae a, a vernacular translation which the power of the Church said, if you use these words, it confects the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when it came out, for you and for all, I remember when I was ordained in 2004 we still had the old translation and I heard that for decades you know ever since I started attending mass and I was receiving 1st communion 1972 for you and for all. Now what is the principle of translation? That was the question that came up in the pontificate of John Paul II, in which it was asked can we be more faithful to the translations and it's this is where it becomes an art form and pro multis, You are going to hear this discussion a lot if you haven't heard it already. Pro multis, the Latin. Remember, Latin is the official text, all right? If the church translates it as for all or for many, the point is the church has made a prudential decision by translation. It is a valid translation, and sometimes the church says it could be better that's why in 2011 we had a different translation come out which was much more, shall we say, faithful and literal as opposed to uh, thought-based, uh, you know, the idea behind it. Uh, the prayers were a lot more faithful to the Latin original. Really? Cardinal George was actively involved in that with Vox Clara and the translation principles. But remember, please, the church, Latin is the original, it is the formal and only official translation that guarantees, but when we make a translation into a vernacular language, having had it studied, the church puts her weight behind the fact that this is a valid translation. Do not worry about receiving our Lord's body, blood, soul, and divinity.
0: Wonderful, uh, wonderful response, Father. And Tina, thanks for the call. And if I may say so, thanks for doing your homework. Thanks for paying attention. I love it that people are paying attention to to these details and that they're so, I presume, uh, dedicated to the sacraments and sacramental validity because you're hungry and thirsty for the grace which the sacraments confer upon us. So thank you, Tina. Thanks for the call.
1: Patrick, one one thought. I I was going to say this to, to Tina. And remember, please that what is the essential words of consecration which cannot be altered are this is my body this is my blood mm. some sacramental theologians and liturgists would say would even include this is the chalice of my blood but hic es enim corpus mem uh, hoc est enim corpus mem hic es enim calix sanguinis mei those are the words that cannot change mm. okay right?
0: yeah Okay. Good to know. Like it. All right. Very good. Thanks again, Tina, for the call. Let's go now to Karen, who's calling in from Wisconsin. Karen, welcome to The Inner Life.
3: Hello there. Yeah, I have a question. I got married. Good morning. Good morning. We got married in 1979 by a very young liberal priest. And when we got, when we were going to do, I thought we were going to do the regular vows. And he said, oh, no, no, no. You got to write your own vows. I don't even know what we said. It was weird. But on top of that, when he did communion, he used an oatmeal cookie. I was—I did not oh, know this was going to happen. Is—is—is oh, <laughs> is, is it possible to use anything other than a host for communion?
1: The uh, this is interesting. Okay, first and foremost, <laughs> there is a uh, there was there is a term that our canon law professors used to always say. Remember this canonical term that's naughty (laughs) that's a joke (laughs) by the way (laughs) that is naughty yeah um so karen no you cannot change what the church has mandated it's wheat flour and wine from the fruit of the vine all right it can't be grape juice it's got to be wine with an alcoholic content okay so two things you are talking about, two different sacraments here, all wrapped up in that, in that rite of matrimony. Number one, the words of consent. That really is unfortunate. I know that people want to make it meaningful, but the church has given us the words. There's the traditional one, you know, in sickness and in health, I, uh, till death do us part, or the more contemporary vows, which I personally love. I, John, take you, Mary, to be my wife. I promise to be faithful to you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. I will love you and honor you all the days of my life. I like to use that even as a prayer in the morning when I, when I wake up and I start my prayers to God. I like to repeat those words. We hear that in the context of matrimony. But for my vocation as a priest, I love saying those words too. It puts me in solidarity with married couples, but it's also God as my spouse. Imagine when God says to me, I promise to be faithful to you all the days of my life. God has no beginning and no end. Can you imagine that fidelity? And that's what we're tapping into with the sacrament of matrimony. Now, regarding the oatmeal (laughs) uh, host, that's a naughty, very big naughty. Um, Obviously I was not there. We can't judge hindsight, but we can judge from the externals that that host is simply not valid. It has to be wheat flour and water that makes up that host okay now what is the end effect god's grace is not limited because he gave us the sacraments he gave us the words he gave us the form and matter god's grace read into your heart you know the priest unfortunately you know he'll have to explain himself but god's grace is not limited he gave us the sacraments he will grace you as you need to and here you are right so let's not worry about that at this point um you know Go move forward and and pray for that priest.
0: Yes, please do it. But Karen, thank you, thank you for the phone call, and <laughs> we appreciate the way that you've asked your question. And maybe for those uh, who uh, who don't know this, it's it's worthy of saying, Father. But um, even though it is, especially if there's a Catholic marrying a Catholic um, at a Catholic wedding, of course, it's encouraged. That they have a mass a, a nuptial mass but it's not required that uh, the two people getting married have a mass is not that correct
1: correct um, Catholics uh, Catholics are presumed to have the grace of the sacrament not only of the sacrament of matrimony but also the sacramental uh, the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist our Lord's body blood soul and divinity which seals in their baptisms as well three sacraments are at play here so it is invoking god himself it's a very powerful powerful moment but a marriage the rite of marriage in and of itself does not need to be within a eucharistic liturgy
0: right okay all right for catholics though yeah, yeah, very right, 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 right. We are clearing things up across the board here when we're talking about sacramental validity where we're trying anyway with the help of our God uh to clear things up around questions that you may have about whether or not a sacrament that you or a loved one received is v- valid. So if you do have that kind of question, give us a call 888-914-914-9, 888-914-9149, and ask it of our spiritual director, Father Emil Fajardo of the Archdiocese of Chicago. We've got more to come on the inner life, but we're going to take another quick break we'll be back right after this welcome back to the inner life here on relevant radio my name is Patrick Conley my thanks to Nick Centovich our producer and Sarah Tafoya who is taking your phone calls and our spiritual director father Ramil Fajardo of holy name cathedral there in chicago the metropolitan tribunal saint james chapel and the national shrine of saint francis Xavier cabrini as we're talking about sacramental validity if you have a question about the validity of a sacrament that you or a loved one has received give us a call triple eight nine one four nine one four nine let's go to david who's calling in from phoenix arizona david thanks for calling
4: hey thank you for uh, allowing me to ask this question so what i was uh explaining to the uh uh, the pre-screener, was when I first got married, I, I met my wife. Uh, I had just enlisted in the Army and was getting ready to ship off, and I was not Catholic. I was actually raised as a Jehovah's Witness, um, but uh, was really didn't have any faith at the time. Uh, wanted to get married. I only had a, a very short time, didn't have time to go through R- RCIA and all that, And the priest agreed that he would marry us as long as I had made the commitment that I would uh, take all the classes later on and become Catholic, which, honestly, I really never had any intention of doing. Um, Got out of the service and then get called back in to go to Desert Storm. And as I'm getting ready to ship off, I'm like, man, I've never been baptized. I should probably get baptized. And talked the priest into—there's a different priest, but I— Talked him into uh, baptizing me so that I could go off to war and be baptized with the promise that I would go through the classes again and become Catholic. And uh, again, I really didn't have any intention of doing that. Um, but I did these things. Uh, now, later on uh, in my life, I kind of came to the realization that uh, I need to be Catholic, and I ended up. Going through RCIA CIA and uh, took all the sacraments and everything, and now I am a practicing Catholic. But this conversation made me think, so I just have to ask the question:
0: <laughs> You're asking about the validity of, of David about those sacraments that you received, right?
4: Because uh, again, I was I wasn't Catholic I, when I got baptized. I wasn't uh, Catholic when I got married, and uh, it, you know both of them were. Well, okay, you we'll, we'll do these things but you have to sure. commit to
0: Yeah. Okay. I, I think we got it. Uh, Father, what what would you say to
1: David? Okay. First of all, you're, you you were an adult, you're of mature age, sufficient mature age to serve our country. So, you you had capacity to answer for yourself. Okay. So, you promised to marry and the consent a Catholic can with permission marry another uh, a non-Catholic. Okay. You you understand the words of matrimony, I promise to be true to you, or I promise to be faithful to you, etc. Alright. So you in turn, having been involved with another Catholic, eventually learned the need for baptism. Christ was working in and through you, and you accepted baptism and the other sacraments. So the pretty direct answer is never worry about the validity because we're not here to rigidly enforce whether or not you meant to be baptized people's circumstances are very different but you accepted that call you asked for baptism so without knowing any details and kind of this is kind of a, a very broad forum but i i would say listen to your gut bring it to confession perhaps and just say, you know, I am a practicing Catholic, but I'm having a doubt about this. Personally, I would say take it to prayer. Um, If you're practicing the faith, obviously you heard our Lord's voice and of your own free will, accepted him and accepted him in the sacraments. So... I think congratulations you're probably doing a lot of studying and praying which perhaps us Catholics uh, us us um, trad- traditional Catholics who have been born this way should be paying more attention to mm. you know That's praying, good point
0: Father. right right absolutely great point thank you David for the call we're going to move in and see if we can get as many of these calls in before the end of the hour here let's go now to Joe who's calling in from Chicago Joe welcome to the inner life
5: yeah uh I was married 31 years, and uh, I got to admit the reason I got married was uh, my wife was pregnant at the time. Mm -hmm. And then after 31 years of marriage, um, she filed for divorce and annulment. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm assuming, and that's why I'm asking you this question, Father, uh, that that is why the priests decided that or whoever they were decided that uh it was an invalid marriage because of the reason we got married when i took my vows uh on on the altar uh i was really um the lord was really in me because i was crying when i was saying my vows not crying not crying because i was you know being forced to get married um but crack crime because I was really into the moment. Mm-hmm. And um, so but they they granted the annulment. I wanted to know if that was valid.
1: Okay. Again, as I said earlier, the the tribunal has insights through the testimonies that are presented and in prayer makes a decision. Marriages are always presumed valid to start out with. Now, one thing that should that I have to be very clear about to our listeners, a, an inv- a, de- a declared invalid marriage does not mean that one relationship was not there, that the relationship was not there. Of course a relationship was there. In your case, it was 31 years. There was a relationship there. And yes, you may have in the moment meant it, but at the same time, we also understand that sometimes people can say something and not be able to to mean it or to do it, it, it I, i'm trying to make it as easy as possible without getting technical that sometimes no matter what we say everything that is demonstrated shows that even though i meant it i couldn't pull it off or i didn't even know i couldn't pull it off mm. all right so whoever granted the declaration of nullity had insight through the testimonies it's not a judgment about you or or your former spouse it is simply a fact that at the moment the consent took place something was missing or something was not quote-unquote working hmm. to make it a sacramental marriage obviously a relationship was there that's not the, that's not being discussed but it's that idea of where both of you either or or both capable of having a sacramental marriage Yeah.
0: very good Thank you, Father. Thank you, Joe, for the call. Let's go now to John, who's calling in from New Jersey. John, welcome to the show.
4: Hi, thank you. Eighteen years ago, I heard a Catholic priest in the Catholic Church baptize my grandson, my grandnephew. Mm-hmm. I baptized thee in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I have held that in my heart for 18 years. I'm not even sure if putting that amen there violated the form. Well... You know,
1: remember earlier we started the show about talking about valid and illicit. Um, This is, I would say this is illicit in a very minor way. It's a valid sacrament, pouring water, saying, I baptize you in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the formula. If a priest happens to add amen, it's not in the ritual, so therefore it's, that's, again, that canonical term, that's naughty. (laughs) But it doesn't invalidate the sacrament because he said the essential words I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is absolutely untouchable. Okay? If he adds amen, eh, you know, it's uh shouldn't, but then again, it doesn't invalidate. Okay. Very good. Wonderful.
0: Thank you, John, for that. And uh, we just, uh, one one question just I want to ask is off-air. One of the callers has asked, too, uh, Father, that... Um, Some annulment processes or declarations of nullity processes for those can go rather lengthy. Is it ever okay to just check in on the process? And if so, how is that done?
1: Absolutely. The judges have their notaries who assist in the instruction or the information gathering. And please check up on your case. We ask that here in Chicago, we have a certain timeline, both for the processing, the instruction of the case, as well as the decision-making timeline bottom line check-in you are always welcome to check in Uh, please understand though that we priests who are making these Decisions are pulled in so many different directions. So sometimes we're a little tardy and we could do better. Admittedly, we can always do better. (laughs) I'm always struggling with keeping timeliness. So hopefully that's not one of my cases. (laughs) (laughs) Understood. Understood. I don't think so. But yeah, well, anyway,
0: uh, very good. Well, um, just I think in uh, just the last few seconds before we ask for your blessing, Father, maybe one of the things that is is worthy of, of noting is that from the Catechism, that God, we know that God has bound salvation to the sacraments, but he himself is not bound by the sacraments. So there's not really a need to be validity police about some of these things, right?
1: Absolutely. Let, let, we can't go around looking for fault. You know, uh, I understand when people hear something like uh, it, the, the the formula for absolution is not correct, which compromises the validity of the absolution. Please say something. But presume, of course, goodwill on the, on the minister's parts, and just be on the lookout but don't look for errors every single place there there's always an explanation
0: okay that makes sense thank you for that father and thank you for all that you've all the advice you've given sorry to the college we weren't able to get on the air but thank you to all of you who called in father may we have your blessing please
1: through the intercession of Saint, uh, Pope St. Gregory the Seventh, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
0: Father Emil Fajardo has been our spiritual director today as we've been talking about sacramental validity. If you missed any part of the conversation, go back and listen to it on the show page at relevantradio.com. Coming up next, we have the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with Father Matt Seminar as our celebrant there. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about this great celebration of Pentecost we've got coming up this weekend and the Holy Spirit's role in your life. Hope you can join us for that. Until then, grace and peace.